0: welcome to the subtle cane podcast i'm your host aaron smith broadcasting from the aorta of america beautiful festival city oshkosh wisconsin where we pump out reason and pierce through the propaganda here we go Welcome back, my friends. So glad you could be here. If this is your first time with the Subtle Cane Podcast, thank you for gracing us with your virtual presence. If you're a returning listener, thank you for your continued support. It is much appreciated. This is episode 13 of the Subtle Cane Podcast, Free Fallen. We are continuing on the topic of mass formation from last week. Pay attention to the media as they try and pretend that this could not have happened, and since it would make them look bad, it must be a conspiracy or something. Well, there's been an interesting turn of events. I've been paying more attention to the news cycles. Uh, Lo and behold, the topic of mass formation has been kind of exploding across the interwebs. News models and commentators and even heavy-hitting doctors like Peter McCullough and Robert Malone as well as political hacks and the like. They're all starting to bring this to the forefront. And I'll be honest, I think on the whole, it's probably a good thing. It may have even hit a nerve among the mass. When Reuters and AP scramble to quick quote-unquote fact-check and try to denounce the theory, it actually acts like a bit of a badge of honor these days. There's a link in the show notes for review. Never mind, the organizations uh, gave no reason, apart from an appeal to authority, to denounce the theory. And apart from that, we have what seems to be a a bit of a misunderstanding about what Professor Desmond is saying. I do hope that he's able to address that. I'm sure that he will in his own humble and unpretentious way. But I, I do not think it's fair that it's been portrayed the way that it has. And, and trying to pretend that the extremely well-documented and studied science of crowd psychology does not address the components of the theory is likely ignorance or intentionally misleading. I've just read three books on the topic, all more than 50 years old, and I haven't even begun to scratch the surface of the more recent attention shown to the material. But whether by honest appraisal or dishonest portrayal, The topic has been breached in the public's sphere of awareness in a way that I certainly can't match from this fledgling platform and, as I said, probably a good thing. And I suppose there's part of me that's been reading books and researching like it's finals week was initially tempted to eh, throw a little pity party and say, hey, I was doing that, but that's actually just ridiculous and prideful. This is good news. This is good news. And maybe it'll start a chain reaction that breaks the spell. Regardless, I have spent much time and energy educating myself on this topic and think it's important to share my findings. I also have done some extrapolating and have been thinking about solutions or at least healthy, productive responses. Because it's always easy to find problems. It's much harder to find solutions or at least viable and productive responses. And so we continue where we left off last week. And just for the sake of continuity and clarity, let's do a quick recap of the conditions necessary for mass formation that we've already covered. Number one, a lack of social bonds. Meaningful and reciprocal social bonds that involve personal relationships and not just communal adherence to some vague concepts about social justice or or the virtual simulacrum of social media a lack of actual social bonds then number 2 lack of meaning in our lives or meaning making and this follows or or dovetails at least well with the lack of social bonds you know we're a social species and we find our identities in relationships whether a relationship with God, family, vocation, churches and clubs. If we are without real social bonds, we are missing the mirrors that reflect who we are. We forget our faces, and imagination takes over and paints our portraits in distorted and distilled fashion. We tumble through a universe untethered from reality, without a means to measure ourselves. The chaos of anonymity and relativity makes uncertainty certain. Now we move on to the next of our conditions. Number three. And I do have to say, if you did not listen to last week's episode, please go back and do that and it will flow much better for you. I know that was a a short synopsis of what we covered, but I would suggest, ask that you go back and listen to Last week's episode, I think that'd be helpful, just saying. So the next of our conditions, number three, high levels of free-floating anxiety. Anxiety, that is, not connected to a mental representation. I will elaborate. We must not become too focused on COVID as our source of free-floating anxiety. That's one of the flaws I've seen in the way it has been presented in more mainstream Outlets and shows, or some other interviews I've seen. And why do I say that? The seeds of free-floating anxiety were already planted, watered, and lovingly tended for a long time now. Think about it. Let's just let's just reflect a little on. Well, oh, I don't know. How about the last 20 years? We have deep breath. We have 9/11, terrorism, mass shootings, endless wars. Endless crime statistics, economic insecurity, climate change activists telling us the world is doomed, and we killed the planet and all the pretty animals and decimated the rainforests, and there's holes in the ozone and carbon emissions, all collectively sealing our fate. And we're also told that there's no justice, cops are shooting people for pure pleasure or hate-filled rage. We have racists and homophobes and insurrectionists. Need I go on? Need I go on? And it's not like these are just occasional stories on the evening news. It, it's permeated every form of media. I mean, movies. Movies are made that glorify or terrify for the sake of conditioning us to visualize apocalyptic worlds, disease, murder, and mayhem. The plots, thinly veiled and poorly constructed facades used to preach or persecute. 24-hour news cycles relentlessly bombard us with tragedy and impending doom. Activists on social media spew their narratives ceaselessly and oftentimes incoherently. Panelists on network TV from both sides of the political aisle demonize their opponents and turn what was once respectful debate into mudslinging and dehumanizing polarization. And then censorship and gaslighting fuels the fire of distrust and disharmony in our hearts. And that's, that's all apart from Nerona. And we wonder, (laughs) we wonder why people are depressed, isolated, and anxious. How could you not be? Not if you're constantly glued to these mediums of melancholy and madness. If we cannot place our hope in something that transcends the physical world, or Even just spend enough time alone with our thoughts to catch our breath. How can people, how can we avoid being anxious? And it isn't the kind of anxiety that comes from actual or imminent danger. Being robbed at gunpoint or being in a house fire or being chased by a bear, Well, even seeing a spider, if you're like my mom, will cause us to have anxiety. But it's the natural anxiety of life. It may not be specifically proportionate, as in the case of said spider, but it is imminent and there is an identifiable object connected to it. Free-floating anxiety is the daughter of chaos. It is the fear of the unknown or vaguely defined. The boogeymen, the shadow puppets, if I may make a call back to the allegory of the cave. It is a free-floating, unattached, an unresolvable construction of the mind, and it's outside of our power to influence. It's a runaway train, and we don't even know where the tracks end. And this, this now dovetails quite readily to our fourth condition for mass formation, free-floating anger or aggression. Now, if you're anything like me, nothing frustrates the mind like the feeling of being out of control. Powerlessness is, Invokes in us a profound sense of indignation. The most dangerous animals, the most dangerous animals are always the ones who are cornered, fighting for their lives. With little left to lose, we shake our fists at the heavens. Incapable of resolving the outrage that comes from our sense of injustice, no object to engage in our quest to relieve the burden of uncertainty, we swing our fists at the rain and scream into our pillows at night. For some, the rage turns inward and the depression is amplified. For depression is the hate of one's own deficiencies and weakness. We self-medicate and fornicate. We attach ourselves to causes that bear little impact on our world in a desperate attempt to find some catharsis. The anger is also free-floating, and it has no clear mental representation to point to. Now... Now enter the Rona, COVID-19, the pandemic. Well, now you can even be afraid of yourself. You, yes, you, filthy, unwashed humans, seething with virus, conspiring with this silent and invisible enemy, you're all potential killers of grandmas, cancer survivors, and people on dialysis. So you tuck yourself away, compounding your loneliness. You lose your already anemic social bonds. Exacerbate an existential crisis of meaning by losing your jobs and relationships. And what meaning can really be found in a world that is dying anyway? Broken. Any spark of hope being snuffed out by a free fall of fear, you reach for an answer, a solution. Angry and ready to do almost anything to relieve this sense of powerlessness and injustice. Whew, of course people are angry. And I know this is heavy material, and I don't mean to be morbid or hyperbolic. My intention is not to leave you feeling hopeless and overwhelmed, and we are not done. We are not done. If, if we are to understand why people have chosen to respond in the ways they have, if we're to understand the power of the delusion, then we must be thorough in our description of its cause. One, two, three, four. Four conditions met, and the weight of a dying world on our shoulders. But wait, what is this? What light through yonder window breaks? Suddenly a parade of strong and highly credentialed experts enter stage left. They bear gifts and wisdom for our faltering minds. They bring good tidings of terrible joy. We're all in this together, they proclaim loudly from their podiums. They repeat this incessantly, and something starts to happen. No, the Grinch's heart does not grow. But that profound lack of social bonding starts to ebb, and you realize, I'm not alone. No, we are all in this together, and the word we finds purchase in your mind and your heart again. You are a valuable member of the team, and this cannot be done without you. It just can't. Now you feel a sense of purpose growing in your gut, and where there was chaos, order has appeared. Invigorated by camaraderie and driven by purpose, you resolve yourself to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to bring victory to the collective over this new Viral foe. No matter how absurd or impractical, you're willing to sacrifice all to show your devotion to the cause. Wear a mask? No, sir. I'll wear two, thank you. Stay home and let your loved ones die alone in care homes? Well, that's how much you care. Lose your job? Well, if that's what it takes to come out on top, how about... How about you try an experimental medication with the potential for horrible adverse events and not even a whisper about its long-term effects? Well, I'll take two. You know what? Just keep them coming. You ask me to jump and I'll just say how high. Ouch. I may have hit a nerve or gone a little overboard there. But I want to be... Well, I want to inspire the gravity of the situation. I do. And I'll be honest; I don't actually enjoy this part of it, and I know it's hard for people to hear some of the words that I'm saying. And maybe it would, maybe it'll make you upset, or or maybe it seems a little cold, or over emotional, or sensational. And I know it can seem a bit crude, but it does. It isn't meant to be. It isn't meant to be. I'm trying to express the gravity of the situation. And there's a reason, apart from just shedding light on this topic, that requires an adept understanding of the next stage of this process. The next stage. It has played out before, and only the willfully ignorant are able to deny its possibility to manifest again in the here and now. So, one, two, three, four conditions met, and the mass or the crowd has formed. You've restored social bonds, found meaning, resolved free-floating anxiety with a mental representation in the form of COVID coverage and experts' analysis. And you have been given the actions you must take, the sacrifices you must make, to defeat the enemy. And it doesn't matter how illogical or harmful the cost, because the harder and more unreasonable to sacrifice, the more it shows you care, the more it shows you. You're on the team, and it's the dawn of a new day. The only problem, and this is where we start getting into the next stage, the only problem left is that, well, not everyone is on the team. Either by choice or by destiny, there are people who have refused to see the light. Selfish and uncharitable people who will not subscribe to the program, Disgusting and hateful people that want to kill grandma. They need to be excluded from society, don't you think? And if they can't be team players, well, then they don't get to be in the game. And now, now the last tumbler in the lock has fallen into place, and we can focus our anger somewhere defined and visible. No more do we have to carry around this sense of vaguely understood frustration. We have identified the cause. We have identified the scapegoats. They are the unmasked, the unvaccinated, the huggers and the handshaking scum who could undo all that we've accomplished as a team. Health passes and mandates, shunning and shaming, outcasts and lepers. This isn't a new strategy. It's an old one. It just got an upgrade. This is the strategy of totalitarians. This is the formula for holocausts. You think that's hyperbole? Think back just a couple years. Would you have thought it even possible that censorship and discrimination based on health status would even be on the table in the free world? There are those who have already regurgitated the tiresome label of conspiracy theory. Like the the link I provided, uh, what I was talking about earlier with the AP and Reuters, basically calling it a conspiracy theory. And you know what I say to that? Shadow puppets, man. Watching shadows on the wall of the cave. Now, deep breath. Deep breath. And a moment to reflect. Because we have an elephantine. Challenge ahead of us. As Joost Mirlu noted in Delusion and Mass Delusion, quote, years later, free opinions win out over the terrorizing opinion. No matter how complete the terror, the paralysis is eventually broken, end quote. Man is proud and loath to admit being fooled or drawn into a lie. I am the same, for I am human the bigger the lie the more consequential the lie the harder it is to admit we've been fooled i mean one can quickly admit to spilling water on a laminate floor but one is quite terrified to admit spilling blood think of the way people have conducted themselves throughout this ordeal as young said quote people will do anything no matter how absurd in order to avoid facing their own souls, end quote. Families and friends lost to the cause. Loved ones left to die alone. Careers and lives ruined and lost in collateral damage. Incalculable collateral damage. The mass formation will be broken. It will. And you can already see a turning of the tide. You can feel a shift in the winds. So then, how do... We respond. This is, this is a difficult episode for me to do, and it pains me to make these observations. It does. There will be much rebuilding to be done. Regardless of how this situation resolves, there will be much rebuilding to be done. That is why we need to respond to those coming out of the formation with grace and empathy, unconditional love, and forgiveness. This will not be a time for I told you so. This is not a time for I told you so. It's a time for restoration and healing. And we dare not, we dare not wag our fingers or claim the high ground, as it was only chance or providence that allowed some of us to escape this snare. Revenge is myopic and unproductive. It's unjust. And we may not be on the battlefield of Lexington, but I assure you that we are watching nothing nothing less than civil war, in ours and many nations, a war of ideas and propaganda, a kind of cold war. If you're not familiar with the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, where Jesus gave his Sermon on the Mount, it, it may behoove you in this time to read it. And I promise, I promise that even the most ardent atheist will still find value in those words. We've We've covered a lot of material in the last two episodes. We have. I want to thank you for your time and your attention. I'm, I'm not even going to do a value-for-value value pitch today. The gravity of the material makes it feel almost immodest. I just have a sincere hope that what I shared has been helpful rather than inflammatory. My heart is heavy for the people of the world. For you. And this is not over. We are not yet at terminal velocity for this delusion. And there will be a period of adjustment will. But the drowning of this illusion has begun. You can see it in the illogical throes of those who have been most seduced by this occurrence. And just as a drowning man will fight all the more fiercely as the seriousness of the situation dawns on him, those who have been most drawn into the delusion will lash out and try to latch onto anything within their reach to avoid their fate. But you never jump into the water to save a drowning man, for he will pull you under with him. And all you can do is throw a line and encourage in calm tones. In the same way, trying to argue with someone who is part of the Mass will only drag you down with them. We must offer our assistance from a safe distance. What I mean is that we must speak truth, but we must do it with grace. We must share reason, but we must season it with hope and kindness. And we cannot expect the drowning man to hear our words or reason, for he is drowning and all else will be irrelevant in his mind. This sheds light on the insidious nature of those in power who have used fear and terror to control and coerce. The leaders and experts most culpable will be the ones who can turn on a dime. Watch, watch, with no question or hindsight. Turn on a dime. They are not drowning. They are not drowning. They are much too clear-eyed to be in distress. And time will reveal the bad actors in this drama. It will. They'll have their day in front of the one true judge of mankind, according to my theology. But rather than hope for their destruction or ruin, rather than hope for their destruction and ruin, I urge you, pray for them. If we set our hearts... This is a principle that we should always keep in mind. If we set our hearts to see the worst of us redeemed, it can only bring hope and restoration when we see it done. For all you listening, you are valued, you are loved, and yes, you are worthy. God bless and good night.